Also, just looking at it from our research perspective, and I'm just thinking, you know, the crime perspective and the discussions we normally have, and we're thinking, oh, what happened? What's the motive? And how is the crime crimed? And all these things. How is the crime crimed? Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. I mean, that's the mindset I get into. And when something feels as much as history as this, it's a bit weirder. Yeah. But we can try. It's not light outside anymore. It's the evening. It is. It's the... Uh, the barry atmosphere. Hour of cats and criminals and cocktails. Mmm. And in this episode, royalty as well. Oh yes, the... We're both having clear drinks and talking about blue blood. Oh, I love that. Clear drinks and blue blood. That's a really good one, except our, our cocktail is muddy as anything. So. Oh, muddy. Yeah. Interesting. Do you want to know anything about it? I, I don't. You've okay. given me a very, let's say, glamorous and extravagant tidbit, which I will treasure and fantasize about. Okay. And we'll know more later. There's one more thing. Oh. The thing you know about, there's one other thing in it right now, infusing. Oh. It is something called... Well, nicknamed the Queen of Spices. Mmm. Hmm. Enjoy that. Mull it over. Let it marinate. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think what it could be. Uh, <laughs> I know a couple of things I want to say, but uh, I can have a guess a thon towards the end. Yeah, guess later. Mm. <sighs> so, here we are again. It's another Tuesday, and uh, it's uh, the second best podcast in the universe. Oh, second best? Wow. I know, I'm... We need to strive for something, right? Okay, well, that's fine. Well, welcome back. Welcome to Crime by the Bar. Yes, I'm Jonathan. I'm Anna. And we're here to talk about crime, specifically crime relating to royalty this week. Yeah. This is all kind of in, um, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say honoring, but uh, it's in the mood of the upcoming uh, King's Day here yeah. in the Netherlands. So we're broadcasting right out of our uh, little studio in Amsterdam. Mm. And we will be celebrating King's Day on Friday. Indeed. So it's a national holiday. Mm-hmm. We are both off work. Mm-hmm. And it's, as we discussed a couple of episodes ago, usually more <laughs> disappointing than Pride, but better than a standard day. So, yeah, true. Yeah. And way, way more orange. Yeah. But I think we should go into a little bit more about what King's Day is yeah. on Friday for our mystery episode. I actually have a little bonus oh, thing. Okay. I, I thought we were doing it now, but no, no, we can hold off to no. Friday and like educate in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Do the Happy King's Day bit. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, do you have any idea who's worst this week? I don't know. I mean, we're talking royalty, so there's always, you know, really bad connections and there's probably a gruesome past, there's probably wars, war crime, all these things. Oh, um, I didn't do any of that. Well, neither did I. I'm just oh, okay. saying that is the constant <laughs> backdrop when you're talking royals, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. M- maybe not Maybe not all of the present day ones. <laughs> Sorry, I sounded a bit judgmental yeah, there. Yeah, you did. Wow. Um, but Socialist Sweden. Well, I mean, we are still a monarchy. Yeah, I know. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly. Yeah. Uh, I know. We, we get our royals who are... 
you know, in some cases, brilliant diplomats and they do a lot of good out in the world. Mm -hmm. And in other cases are brilliant sources of entertainment. Do they do crazy things? Not that crazy. It's just, I, I think that a lot of people, even people who might be very much opposed to the uh, monarchy bit of it all, <laughs> can appreciate that it's kind of the general spirit of, no, no, of course we can make fun of these people. Um, but th there are good ones as well. Yeah, I and love th There are bad ones. I, I'm not going to say it because. Oh, yeah, of course. Th there are bad ones and bad stuff has happened. But, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, should they all be there? Maybe not. Are mm. they probably not going to move? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that the Dutch royal kids all cycle to school, though. Oh, well, of course they do. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> still. I'm pretty sure that's in the constitution somewhere. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think it's cool. I also think that whenever... Um, Obama was over a few years ago and he met with the um, Prime Minister of the Netherlands. Um, oh. Obama came in by helicopter oh. and our Prime Minister oh, cycled. Yeah, I did hear <laughs> And there was all sorts of memes of like uh, how the US president arrives and there's like mm -hmm. a whole fleet of helicopters flying over the National Museum and uh, how the Dutch Prime Minister arrives and it's like newspaper under the arm, coffee, cycling in a suit. <laughs> like, very good. Very that is good. kind of perfect. Well, I think the carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. And also the traffic, to be honest. Yeah, well, not that there's much air traffic, but... <laughs> oh, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, though. Yeah, no, no, you make a very good point. Very good point. But yeah, don't go by car. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, sorry, uh, we were probably trying to discern who was worse. So yeah. I have an event, a couple of deaths. Couple? Mm. You need to be specific. I have two to three. I have probably more. Okay. Okay, so far it's um, looking like your worst again. But this is just <laughs> on the statistics side of it. Oh. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we're just talking numbers here. Uh, like, is how intimate or, uh, like, gruesome um, are your bits? I don't think mine is. My, my feeling is you probably are worst. I'm happy to go first, but, but yeah, I... I don't know that I'm the one. Um, do you know about the Mayerling incident? I do not. Okay, then, Ben, you're not going to know. Have you seen? <laughs> um, have you seen the movie The Illusionist? I think so. Wait, I'm mixing them up. The uh, Illusionist with uh, Ed Norton. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, right. You know the guy in it with the dark curly hair who's like grumpy and has a sword. Yes, yes, I do, yes. Do you know the whole bit with him being grumpy about Jessica Biel? Is it Jessica Biel? I think it's Jessica Biel. I don't remember if it's Jessica Biel, but yeah, was that... Wait, you, I, my, mind, my mind went uh, like uh, Russian, but that was Austrian something, right? Yeah, it's Austria and yeah. Hungary. Yeah. Austro-Hungaria, possibly? Yes! Hey, there you go. Guess what my story is about. There's an incident that relates to, to oh, okay. yeah, um, but basically gauge yours on the illusionist and the worst bits in the illusionist, how bad mm -hmm. they are. So if yours is worse than the worst bits in the illusionist, then you go first. If it's not, then I'll go first. Okay, it's a little bit worse. You go first. I'll go first. That was an interesting I'll... way of gauging it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll need to refer to movies constantly. <laughs> um, I, I think so. At least my memory is a bit fuzzy of the movie, but. Okay. I love that uh, movie. I can go first. I really start need to start finding, you know, happier and cuddlier crimes so I don't yeah. always go first because the 
there was a flip over and <laughs> I'll just pick gory ones, it's fine. Oh, that like works super well. nasty ones with real high creep factor. <laughs> no problem. The problem is that I already know what I picked for my next crime. Oh. Uh, Wait, on Friday? Yep. Is it chill or is it awful? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going first on Friday. What am I doing on Friday? Mine's not mine's not very nice. Uh, that's and a discussion mine's pretty for gory, another day. Yeah, okay. We'll see how that goes. But no, I, I, I can start here. Um, so, yeah, there, there is both during my crime and the backdrop, I suppose. Okay, well, tell me your story. I will. My story relates to Alexander I. <gasps> really? There are a lot of Alexanders, though. I'm wondering, it's not the Russian one, is it? No, it's not. Okay. Don't so, care. Done. Let's move on. Sorry, um, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is Alexander I. He was the prince regent of the kingdom of Serbia and later became the king of Yugoslavia. Okay, no, I'm on board. This is good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. cool. So far, so good. I will uh, I'll buzz in and tell you I'm done whenever it, it reaches a point where I've For, lost interest. We should get you like a red button or something like, bored now! <laughs> <laughs> and just hook it up to nothing. Yeah, hook it up to a confetti cannon. So there's some entertainment oh, for yeah, me whenever I'm get... bored. <laughs> oh, but it shouldn't be so tempting. Like, you shouldn't be rewarded. Well, okay. I need to be it, a bit it's rewarded. Good to be truthful. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Okay, I'm, Maybe I'm... one in five times the confetti cannon goes off and the other times you get an electric shock. <laughs> no, I just have this vision. No, no okay, electric shock. Before you said uh, that, I just saw you like ah oh, smashing it wildly. Uh, but electric shock is good counterbalance. I like that. So we could do two shocks for you, one shock. No, two shocks for you, two shocks for me, or a confetti cannon. <laughs> like I like. So it. there's five options. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> so there's we a probably read that up. a two out of five chance that I get a shock, two out of five chance you get a shock, and a one out of five chance there's a confetti cannon that goes off. So regardless, and if, if there's I, a confetti cannon, then we have a bonus drink break. Oh yeah, yeah. we do um, the second cocktail of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we should do that. We should we should we both have like a I'm bored up. flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but that might be quite fun. Just start waving it. <laughs> I like it. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm tagging you for making me a drink because I'm bored. <laughs> bored, bored. Okay. <laughs> but but the flag is so because we maybe we should need like a like a yellow card, red card thing. No, my old math uh, teacher used to do that. Oh, okay, no. That sounds yeah. horrible. Sorry. Alexander, Serbia. Oh yes, we started with Ukraine. my crime. Not Ukraine, though. Um, uh, Serbia and Yugoslavia. Yes. Yay. Yeah. It was a U. Okay, no, that's then. a Y. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with a U noise. It's the same. Yes, yes. True. I don't need to spell. I just need to pronounce. <laughs> yes, we're talking here. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, we should, t- t- no, not going into that. Uh, <laughs> so, Alexander the first uh, was born in 1888. So lot of Holy important shit. infinity stuff. are covering really similar periods. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, they should, yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. But Alexander was actually the second in line of succession. Okay. Succession. He had an older brother, who was the Crown Prince George, which was very widely considered to be unfit to rule in Serbia. Oh dear. Uh, due to a lot of incidents resulting from, well, partially his impulsive and... Uh, unstable 
actions and approach to things. Come on, are you going to give me examples or are we going to find out along the way? I will give you examples just on the start because, um, uh, well, we've already spoiled what titles Alexandra got. So, yeah, this was uh, earlier before we get into the meat of it. But uh, no, he he was pretty wild in a very not charming way. Ooh. And his kind of impulsive Runimus culminated in 1909 mm-hmm. when George, he was, I think, 21 years old then. He attacked one of his servants. Oh. And like, Who does he think he is? Naomi Campbell? Uh, Crown Prince, I suppose. Uh, he's not I, Naomi Campbell. She's so I much, well, no. don't know the Naomi Campbell reference. Did she assault someone? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I have not been keeping tabs on her. Um, she did a couple of dodgy things. The one that stands out is um, she threw a mobile phone at her assistant. Oh, okay. With pretty brutal force. It's Eesh. not funny. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Ooh. Okay, that was um, a bit more distance than George had, at least, because George just um, uh, assaulted his poor servant and uh, like kicked him in the stomach to the point where he got injuries, which killed him. Oh, that's worse than a mobile phone. Then again, they didn't have mobile phones back then. anyway. Uh, that's true. bad. That's really it's horrible. Really bad. So like. Uh, the thing I've run into while going through for our theme this week has been like crime is kind of tricky with royalty in general, yeah, uh, even to this day on some points. Uh, and this goes both directions partially crime towards royals, which I'll get to later, and when royals commit crime. So, in this case, like it's not like he was charged and prosecuted, but um, it's, but there was a record which is kind of interesting. There was a record because, like, this was basically the final straw that pushed this into such a huge scandal that uh, George was forced to uh, renounce his claim on the throne. That's, I, I like that he had to though. Mm. It's good that there were repercussions even. Because so many of these things, like there was a really gruesome serial killer royal and they got away with it for a very, very, very long time. Really? Yep. Are you going to address this one? Nope. It's a story for another day. It's a really interesting one but it's pretty brutal interested. yeah mm. and it's it needs a lot more time than we can give it fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we can I know, do an episodic profile thing maybe Ooh, mm. yeah we could who knows mm. but um yes george renounced his claim he was basically well not banished but you know cast cast away cast aside mm-hmm. something along those lines so Alexander instead became crown prince and then, you know, prince regent. Uh, he was rather uh, active in many ways. Like he, in the first and second Bauckham Wars, he uh, he fought and led um, led the nation, I guess. Later in life, he became known as Alexander the Unifier. That's a pretty good name. It is a pretty good name. It's not catchy, but no, good I, sentiment. I'm not exactly sure when he got this moniker or how sincere or what people call him that um like later in life he um he also renamed the kingdom of serbs croats and slovenes which uh, he was a regent of uh, since uh, 1918 when it was formed with him as regent and he was the uh, he renamed the kingdom to yugoslavia in 1929 hmm. and i did get to learn that yugoslavia apparently means uh, literally the land of the southern Slavs. Huh. It was kind of a cute fact, I thought. Yeah. 
But uh, as I mentioned with the name and everything, uh, in conjunction with the renaming, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it, it's kind of a cute name. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are not happy with it, though, partially because at the same time he did this, he renamed it. He also uh, abolished the constitution. Uh, he dissolved the parliament to uh, take full executive power. And um, this was apparently called the January 6th dictatorship. Oh. Uh, or is called that now as well. So he basically shoved the entire ruling body aside and like, nope, it's me now. Well, I mean, we've all been on that team project where you think it would be easier <laughs> if you just did that. But at the end of the day, it's not really okay, is it? It doesn't not matter whether it's a country quite. or team building exercise. Not quite. There, um, the, it was a pretty harsh rule. He was a pretty harsh person in general. They um, shown a lot of smaller stories uh, around him. So as a result of this, there was a lot of unrest. A lot of people were not happy. And there were a couple of like smaller, some of them called uprisings, but more like acts of sabotage towards the government and stuff like that. Mm. After which Alexander was quoted to have said, if you want to have serious riots in Yugoslavia or cause a regime change, you need to kill me. Shoot at me and be sure you have finished me off, because that's the only way to make changes in Yugoslavia. Can I hazard a guess about how this ends? Does someone take him up on that offer? Yes. Ah! <laughs> well, can't say he didn't bring it on himself. Not really, no. No, there was a lot of uh, harsh bits with uh, his rule, as I can... They could have just said, if you want me to step aside, all you have to do is tap me on the shoulder. Call me Goose and I'll run away after you. I don't know. I know if if it's a dictator, which it basically was here, um, I would assume more like, of course we're open to all your feedback. And if you think we should change this government, uh, schedule an appointment uh, and come to our... secret police's headquarter or something <laughs> and uh, we'll listen to everything you have to say uh, it's like people who are like oh yeah 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 I, I'm really interested in your proposal just um, file it in my uh, blah 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 my my dad used to call it his uh, drawer C and uh, like, oh I'll just put it in my drawer C and one day he showed the person whose stuff he kept filing in drawer C what it actually was it was a drawer with a bin in it <laughs> and yeah I mean, then you're, it's one thing ignoring or dozing stuff, but then you're like, it sounds like someone thought they were very clever. Oh, yes. (laughs) He's very good at making friends. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) But yeah, you already guessed what happened to Alexander here. I'm excited to hear how it happened, though. I I feel like he has it coming. Um, That's a general idea I got from reading up on him. On the 9th of October mm-hmm. in 1934, so this was, you know, well in, he'd been ruling Yugoslavia as he formed it semi-dictatorially for five years. Mm-hmm. He was on, like, he was being careful in general. He knew there were threats, but uh, he was on a state visit to France. Yeah. And he had just arrived in uh, Marseille. Yeah. So Alexander and the French foreign minister... Uh, Louis Bartou. Mm-hmm. They were uh, being driven through a classic, like 
slow parade this was like the arrival thing oh uh, you have like a long line of cars and police on mounted police on horseback and all that stuff and like the streets lined with people waving little flags and saying hello royal person but i suspect you wouldn't be telling me this if it was all fine not quite the car they were in was it wasn't an armored car or popemobile or anything it was a regular car pretty much so in this crowd we had the bulgarian vlado chernozemsky a member of the Internal Macedonian Revolutionary Organization. Whatever floats your boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were very pro-Bulgarian. Alexander was not very pro-Bulgarian. Oh. Neither was a fan of the other, let's say. Okay. And as the car came closer, he stepped out of the crowd and started shooting wildly at the king. Mm. So Alexander died almost immediately. Um, Bartu was wounded and died of blood loss about an hour after the attack. Whoa. And uh, I think in total there were 15 people who were struck and either dead or wounded. I couldn't find a specific number of who was who, but several people suffered. And one of the things that kind of made me stick with this crime, it is weird calling an assassination a crime, but we'll get more on that later. But... What piqued my interest was that this was one of the first assassinations that were pretty much caught on film. Oh, wow. Because there were, like, cameras there for the arrival parade thing. And as well, as chance would have it, uh, the car was, like, right in front of a cameraman as the shooting started. Yeah. Uh, the driver was shot and wounded, and he kind of slammed on the brakes. And the car just kind of stopped right by the cameraman. Oh, so really the whole thing? Not entirely. So the cameraman, they had filmed like the lead up as the parade came yeah. and through that. The cameraman was not filming as it, the shots went off. Oh. So basically the shots went off and as he heard that, he started up the camera and started filming. So basically r- second after the shooting, uh, you got this. Which and is still quiet. Y- yeah, and it was novel. And I looked at... Unfortunately, the wrong version of the film, but I'll tell you about that as well. Uh, but like the camera is still the footage, and like the cameraman was basically, for the majority of the footage, he was just leaning into the car. He was right there, no. like, leaning in and filming Alexander as well. As That's kind of horrible. Kind of is, but it's still you know, film and journalism and interesting curiosity. I think. Um, yeah, like I said, the, the actual shots were not caught on film. Mm-hmm. But a newsreel from 20th Century Fox. Oh. Uh, they featured the footage. Yeah. And they had kind of cut it and edited in sounds of three gunshots. That seems a bit gross. While, like, the cam- they had some footage where the camera was just, like, looking some other way. Okay. And they edited it in so it would look like they had... You know, an unbroken narrative, yeah, yeah, and basically try to present it like that. Uh, but no, nothing makes sense. This led to some theories as well. There was some kind of hat in the image when they added the really bad. I I saw it and listened to it, and it was like really bad with the gunshots. Mm. And uh, yeah, but that was. I don't know how long it took it for that to be debunked, but definitely has been. But yeah, so they didn't have the shooting, but it was still interesting for something to be captured in that way 
Yeah. It was such a big event. But immediately after killing Alexander, Chernozemsky was wounded by a uh, mounted French policeman uh, with a sword. So the police saw who he was. I mean, he was firing a lot. They wounded him and he kind of stumbled in to the crowd, which went completely insane. And the crowd just mobbed up on him and beat him so badly. They did manage to get him out, the police did. Yeah. uh, But he died from the injuries from the the crowd a couple of hours later. Wow. So that was pretty rough. Um, But yeah, I mean, so this is a pretty clear cut when it comes to murder, if I can call it a murder. Yeah, it was an assassination, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those things feel very different to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Mm. It's, it's, um, I, I agree. I just, I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. And apparently I can't other than nodding. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yes, it's pretty clear cut. It's not personal. Is... I think that's it. It's not personal. It's mm-hmm. political. Typically. True, true. And that changes yeah. it a little bit. But Ooh. there's also a tiny bit of mystery, which I couldn't find that many details on this, but apparently uh, after the attack, there was a ballistic report on the bullets recovered from the car, mm-hmm. but they were not made public until in 1974. Wow, that's a long wait. That's a long wait. And possibly due to the fact that the bullet that uh, Bartou was hit with, yeah, the French foreign minister, was fired from an 8mm revolver. And Chernozemsky had used a semi-automatic pistol, mm-hmm. uh, while the revolver was French-made, also the same model that was very commonly used by the French police. Ooh, that's quite Which interesting. Is, yeah, I couldn't find that much more of a follow-up, but like, <laughs> I'm having difficulty seeing how that would have gotten in there. Yeah. You don't shoot towards where the bullets are getting fired. No. I can't think of a single way where where that really works. Mm. Unless you're really just like, oh, screw it. Here's my opportunity. Bang, 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 bang. I mean, uh, or maybe it was planned. That's the thing. It could have been planned. It could be like, okay, sure. It could technically have been someone freaking out as people started shooting and they just draw the gun blasting you'd like to think they do some psychological testing on how you react when when bad shit happens before handing uh, you a gun but this was you know, you know 1930s 30s. It's, yeah. mm. we don't know that some people shouldn't have guns yet yeah, i don't know we did know that <laughs> but anyway uh, but no there are some things that i just as i read it i wanted to mention it because hmm, that can get your imagination going a bit mm-hmm um, but yeah, so Alexander was succeeded by his son, Peter II, who was the last king of Yugoslavia. And huh. thus it ends. An assassination, technically a crime, but I know you get the whole crime versus, well, then the political thing. Yeah, and then and, we get um, the death of a bloodline. Well... Dun, dun, dun. No. I don't think so. I did not check out. Like this was the. Uh, oh, so it's his just, son. He was the last. He was the last king. Yes. Oh, it's just not. It's not that they didn't have any more. No, I did a brief check on Peter, but I think he. I don't think he met a violent end or anything. 
But even if he just died at 80 with no kids. It's possible, but I I think that there was something left. Nah, boring. Possibly cousins here Never, and there. It's fine. Blah. Where's my board <laughs> button? I want to hit my board button. Please hit it because I'm done. Yay. Why am I yaying? <laughs> um, I'm yaying because I need another drink. No, that's what the board button is for. Yeah, let's go order another drink. <laughs> We're getting a top up. Oh. We'll be back with more crime. Yeah, it's mine next. Mm. I don't know if it'll be any more interesting. I like cheers. Welcome back. We're back. We're topped up on refreshments, and I do believe we have another crime this week. We do. It's nice. true. I want to yeah. hear about it. Okay. I want a question. Okay. I. Okay. Shall I just launch into it? Well, as long as you asked me if I've heard of something or someone. I already did. I already asked you if you've heard of the Maryland oh. incident. Well, yes, and true, but that was ages ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was Fair a enough. whole story ago. I've gotten my question. Yes. So, launch away. Okay. I'm going to tell you about, going back to the beginning again, Mm -hmm. um, a story that was fictionalized within The Illusionist, the movie. Yes. Um, So, I'm going to tell you about how, in 1880, Rudolf, the crown prince of Austria, was 22 and he was under pressure to find a bride, as many Mm. of these royal stories begin. Oh, true. Um, True. (laughs) <laughs> it is though, isn't it? It's about, well, um, he'd already rejected several infantas, which are king's daughters from Spain and Portugal. Do you know this word? I didn't know this word. I had to infantas, look it up. Um, I don't know any Spanish. I haven't actually heard it though. Okay. Well, he'd rejected several king's daughters from Spain and Portugal and needing to marry a Catholic princess who wasn't too closely related because there was a cousin in there who was like, <laughs> I'll have you and... It's like, nah, that's not okay. Uh, He was running out of options. So by the 5th of March, 1880, when Princess Stephanie of Belgium was 15, Rudolf was invited to the Belgian court at the insistence of Leopold II, her father. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, After he met Princess Stephanie, um, he wrote to his mother, Empress Elizabeth, saying, I have found what I sought, noting that she was pretty, good and clever. Hmm. Um, and two days later, on the 7th of March, he proposed and their engagement was announced. So, I mean, seven year age different, I guess. It's less of a big deal back then, but I find it a yeah. bit like, ooh. <laughs> um, so the marriage was due to pl- take place in, in a few months and Princess Stephanie was sent to Vienna to be taught imperial court etiquette in preparation for the big day. Mm-hmm. Um, but within a month, it was discovered the princess hadn't reached puberty And they asked a couple of questions that made it clear she didn't really know anything about what someone about to get married should know. Um, And she went back to Belgium um, totally humiliated. Um, But the marriage was, yeah, it did finally go ahead um, on the 10th of May, 1881. So a good year or so later. They sent her back. They sent her back to ripen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I feel horrible, but I almost said like, oh, the ripen makes more sense. Like, it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was horrible. Well, um, I mean, I, it's slightly to, like, better oh, if than... if she hadn't been educated, like... I think if she had been educated... Th- that somewhere. Yeah, no, it seems like um, the the maids at court just 
rip the piss out of her. Oh. And, like, it sounds pretty brutal. That sucks. Like, they found out that she, yeah, she hadn't hit puberty yet and they asked her a bunch of weird sex ed related questions and she had no idea what they were talking about. Hmm. And it sounds like they really laughed at her and just sent her back and she she was basically sent back to Belgium. I don't know if the engagement was officially called off because it had already been announced, but yeah. I don't think it was even clear whether it was going to go ahead or not, but she was sent back and then once um, they determined she was good to go, then she was returned. <laughs> like, what? Uh. Um, and on the one hand, it's horrible. On the other hand, is that maybe a bit better than the alternative, I guess? I mean, it's still the pretty grim. Of just marrying her off anyway? Pre-puberty? Pre-pubescent bride? Yeah, that is horrible. Yeah, well, anyway. So, lovely. 11 days before her 17th birthday, she is um, the wife of Rudolf Krohn, Prince of Austria. Hmm. So, at first, the marriage is pretty happy, but um, difficulties developed quickly enough. Rudolf was intelligent, but he was also described as highly strong, unconventional, impulsive, and very liberal, um, which was a massive contrast to how she was raised. She was very conservative, and she had a very conventional upbringing. I mean, if she's being sent off to marry, not educated about the marital bed, then that's not a great sign. Um, and no, but yeah, I'm just thinking because I've gotten the impression that yes, even the most like we're talking really conservative, even. In the older, like when talking, you know, royal marriages and yeah. uh, back and forth between the houses and countries, mm-hmm. um, the the main point of the marriages was basically producing heirs. Yeah. Uh, so we hit a as snag on that. As though. the uh, society might have been, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure most of them would have gone for the education bit. And that yeah, thing. yeah, that's true. They. They end up having a daughter by um, September 1883, so a bit over a year, sorry, Mm. a bit over two years after they got married. Um, The daughter is called Elizabeth Marie of Austria, Mm. Um, but she was known as Erzi, which is a short version of uh, Erzabet, the Hungarian form of Elizabeth for short. Stephanie, by this stage, was not receiving very much support from the imperial family. And, of course, she's mm. far away from uh, from her family. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't seem like she's very happy. She seems quite lonely. And Rudolf's mother was the um, exceptionally beautiful Empress Elizabeth. Um, she was actually surrounded in the crime I was originally going to do this week. Really? Yeah, I'll get onto that in a little bit, but she um the photos of her are incredible. Like she even um whenever she was 60, she she was, you know, incredible figure, really beautiful. Hmm. She had ridiculously long hair that she would have <laughs> washed once every 2 weeks and it was bathed in cognac and something else. Like that's how they washed it. I think I've heard that. It was crazy. That was just a side anecdote somewhere. And um, she had someone, I think she had a specific hairdresser person who had previously um, worked with theatre or Hmm. something like that. And this person followed her around everywhere she went. So if she went for a walk, hairdresser person came with. (laughs) Just like keep an eye on or protect the hair or in case of last minute touch-ups. No, but I mean, the hair was massive. And what I'm saying, (laughs) but it really was. The photos are unbelievable. It's like... 
there was a lot of it and it was really really long and whenever they did the hair washing once every two weeks it, it would take most of the day like everything is cancelled we need to wash um elizabeth's hair but she she was also incredibly beautiful and she had a reputation for being incredibly beautiful and she was um by many accounts very vain and um yeah, well, that that was her. Hmm. Um, and it seems like she had the attitude of no one's good enough for my son. Um, okay, she didn't like Stephanie. She tried to avoid her as much as possible. Um, she thought it was an inadequate match. One of the issues that she was disappointed with was that um, Stephanie was from the Belgian monarchy, which only dated back to 1830. Oh, no. And didn't compare to, to theirs, which was the Habsburgs, in terms mm. of se- seniority. Even though its royal house was a branch of Saxony, one of the oldest ruling houses in Europe. Um, and in fact, it was Rudolf's dad who'd approved the match, not mm-hmm. her. She really oh, didn't approve of it. So okay. she was overruled um, by Rudolf's father. I'm still, I do want to poke in. I mm-hmm. almost said something when you first, uh, when you started this and I said like, oh yeah, and he was desperately looking for, you know, someone to marry. Yeah. As people want to do, but like in from a lot of history that I can remember at least, yeah. isn't it normally the opposite? Like, no, no, people are just assigned, no, no, we need this deal or and we also need possibly some fresh blood in this little family tree. Yeah. So we've sorted this since before you were born. They, um, there were not that many good options, to hmm. be honest, for that family. And the match actually became really, really beneficial politically. Mm-hmm. But... It also caused problems politically in the end. Okay. And whenever I was talking about history that I know, I forgot to include World War One and World War Two and uh, hyperinflation and everything in between. Like I, I know a lot about that. Okay, okay. This ties into World War One. Right. So we will get into it. I think you know I where this imagine. is going a yeah. little bit now. Yeah. Um but Rudolf apparently had infected Stephanie with both gonorrhea and syphilis and gonorrhea seemed to make her infertile so Mm. they had one daughter and only one daughter and it seemed like she was never going to be able to have kids after that they'd reportedly discussed divorce but politically it made more sense to stay together Mm. um but both allegedly it, it's it's difficult to get sources on this because it, it was all so yeah. hush hush that mm-hmm. you have no idea what's true and what's not but both apparently began to seek consolation outside of the marriage stephanie went to uh, a region called galicia which is oh. do you know what that is it's a mm. it's a region um that's now divided between poland and ukraine and mm-hmm. um, she went there in 1887 so it was like six years into the marriage and uh supposedly she fell in love with a polish count and for the next year and a half um they yeah were lovers and she didn't even try to hide it from her husband hmm. apparently um and he continued to have his own mistresses and did his own thing but yeah it seems like they'd had divided lives for quite a while I'm going to take you on a little bit of a different path now, but um, okay. there's a, a very small village. It's I think there's like 200 people in it called Merling, and it's in Austria. It's about 26 kilometers or 16 miles southwest of Vienna. Mm-hmm. And in 1886, um, Rudolf had purchased a manor there and turned it into a hunting lodge because it's, you know, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful countryscape. It's just... It's stunning, and there's mm-hmm. not that many people around, and it's not that far from the city, so yeah. Okay. 
Um, so on the 29th of January, 1889, Rudolf was at a dinner party that was being held by his parents um, in Buda in Hungary. Do you know what Buda is versus Budapest? I don't, actually. Okay, so um, modern Budapest is split by the Danube River. Oh, okay. And on the west side, you have Old Town Buda. Mm-hmm. And on the east side, you have Pest, and neither combined into Budapest. Oh, you also okay. have another specific part that is actually called Old Town, mm-hmm. um, like Old Town in Buda. But um, essentially, left side of the river is Buda, right side of the river is Pest. Oh, um, the, it's, it's super cool. Yeah. Um, the left side is much more country, much more... Um, there, there's hills, it's um, got some... It's it's absolutely stunning. Um, you have some incredible spas. You can climb up the top of Buddha Hill and you can see over the Danube and you can see over to the other side in Pest. <laughs> and um, it's it's gorgeous. Um, but it's also, you know, things are a lot more spread out. Whereas the Pest side, it's, it's, it's really built up and it's where the parliament and buildings are and um, mm. a lot of, you know, the big historic buildings. It's where the, the long promenades are. It's, you know, it's where pretty much everything happens. So they're, they're very different feels. But mm. um, Buddha is a little bit older. Um, so, yeah, that's where the, the dinner party of his parents was being held. But he excused himself and said he was indisposed. And we assume he headed off to the Maryling Lodge because he would planned to have a hunting trip in the, the following morning. Okay. He seems, Alone or with... Um, no, he was going to meet someone and his valet yeah. went with him. And um, it was on the morning of the 30th of January, 1889, when his valet, Loshek, tried to rouse him. So he knocked on the bedroom door. The door was locked. So he's, mm-hmm. you know, calling through and trying to wake him up. No answer. Nothing. Meanwhile, Count Joseph Hoyos. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to go by Joseph because who knows how I'm supposed to pronounce that last <laughs> name, not me. Um, so Joseph was Rudolph's hunting companion for the day. Um, he'd shown up and no, Rudolph's not answering the door. Um, so Joseph is also banging on the door with the valet, Loshek, to, to try to summon him. But nothing's happening. In the end, they try to brute force the door. They're trying mm. to break it down. It's not working. So the valet gets an axe and starts smashing through one of the panels on the door and they get in. The room was totally shuttered. It was dark, like, you know, shutters down. Mm -hmm. And um, there was 30-year-old Rudolph sitting um, by the side of the bed, leaning forward, bleeding from the mouth. Do you want to see the lodge, by the way? Oh, definitely. That's the lodge. That is... Massive. Way bigger than what I would imagine when I hear the word lodge. It's huge. It's like a country retreat. (laughs) Okay, and also... um, in the actual image instead of lodge I, I know that a hunting lodge can be a big thing uh what's this here like it's basically a hunting castle i think which makes a bit more sense <laughs> it's a very grand term oh wow you read german no but i can guess due to you know germanic languages i'm so impressed well, don't be, because huh. then I need to fast check it and make sure I'm not... Um, um, I, I have the uh, bullshit English translation here, and it just says the old hunting lodge of Crown Prince Rudolph before 1889. No, like I said, that mm. is the term, and that makes sense. I know that... No, no, no but no, it, it, I'm just... I think that's super cool. But it, it does look like a, a mini fortress, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so what happens? He is there 
on the bed. It, some reports say he's lying, but um, most seem to say he's leaning forward and sitting, bleeding from the mouth. There was a glass and a mirror on the bedside table, and Loshek, that's the valet, assumed mm. Rudolf had drunk poison because he knew strychnine caused bleeding. Oh. But he really did just jump to conclusions. Meanwhile, 17-year-old Baroness Mary Vetsra was lying on the bed um, and was described as white, ice cold and rigid. So to give a bit of an explanation on what the story is with her, mm-hmm. Baroness Mary Vetsra is um, also nobility. Um, she's not as of higher rank, mm-hmm. but... Some reports say that he had been having an affair with her for three months and some say three years. And she was 17 when she was found dead. So um, choose which report to believe. But yeah, he likes them young. And her dad was apparently not very impressed that this liaison was happening. Hmm. Also, his dad was apparently not very happy this was happening either. Like, it it, it didn't seem to be a, a secret. People aren't very happy with his choices in general, I'm getting the feeling. Well, I mean, he's disappeared off and he's hooking up with some 17-year-old and he's in his 30... Well, he's 30 now, so, hmm. yeah, it's not ideal. So our good friend Joseph decided not to look any closer because, you know, this is all a bit much. So ran off to the nearest train station and uh, took a train to Vienna. I'll give you the highlights real. He basically um wanted to to speak to um Rudolph's dad and let him know what the story was. Mm-hmm. But there's protocol to be followed and it's not how you do things. So um only the Emperor's adjutant general, who in this case was Count Parr, was allowed to break that kind of catastrophic news to uh-huh. the Emperor. So um it's it wasn't acceptable for, for Joseph to do that. Um mm-hmm. Meanwhile, similar thing is happening with the Empress's household. Um, so just for context, mm-hmm. um, they don't have a great marriage anyway. No one seems to have a great marriage. So, it doesn't sound like it. Um, no. the, the parents-in-law don't, they don't, just no one does. But yeah, same thing. Like someone's got to tell his mum that he's dead. No, 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 that's not the protocol. And then there's a very detailed description of what happens, but... Do you remember whenever 9-11 happened and there was that footage of George Bush reading the story to kids? Yeah. Imagine that. Uh, it's kind of like that, except instead of someone going up and whispering in her ear what happened, someone's like, no, 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 it's something really urgent. She basically says, go away. And they're like, no, 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 it's really urgent. And she's like, seriously, go away. And of course, by the time she finds out, she's raging. But... To be fair, that is... It's still a better reception than the comparison. Yeah, it just, it made me think of that. It's like pure cluelessness in the situation you're in. Like you, you just, it's, it's not, it's not quite, the penny hasn't dropped. Mm. But eventually, after much insistence, someone sort of barges in and, and says, look, I have to tell you, there's grave news about the crown prince. And um, yeah, and they tell her and... There are pictures of like there's artist's impression of her in mourning and crying. And it was a very dramatic event of her going into mourning. She was distraught and she was weeping uncontrollably. uncontrollably. And um, later the emperor joins and they're both sad and devastated. And they they go and they, they see the body and everything else. But actually, it says the empress broke the news to her husband. But... 
the whole thing was awful. The whole thing mm. was totally awful. Mm. And then they go to the uh, place together. But the Minister of Police was first summoned to the hunting lodge. Um, they cordoned off the entire area and very, very quickly the body of Mary was removed um, because they didn't want anyone to know about it. It was done totally in secret and um, not even her mother was allowed to attend the burial. They really did whisk the body off and essentially pretend it didn't happen. Like, no, no, she was never here. Yeah. She must have vanished somewhere else. Yeah, who knows? Who cares? Sorry, get over it. <sighs> so the prime minister ended up issuing a statement on behalf of um, Rudolf's dad. And he said Rudolf had died due to the rupture of an aneurysm of the heart because devout Catholics, we can't have them know that there potentially was a suicide. Mm. There were a lot of rumors already but we will get onto them very shortly. So the imperial family and the court were still under the impression um, that he had been poisoned. And it even seems like Mary's mother initially believed that. It was only later on, whenever they'd completed an, essentially an autopsy of the day, yeah. which was six o'clock the next morning, that it became known within the inner circle that actually he'd uh, had a shot to the head. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Which which sounds like I mean come on you'd see that but no I mean yeah kind of there are ways of course uh, to make it less noticeable at a first glance but uh, yeah maybe maybe that's it maybe it wasn't noticeable at the first glance because the shutters down are and hmm. are down and everything else but um, there were images of him and. They apparently bandaged his head up and they filled in the caved in parts of his skull in wax to try to um, make his head look like a normal shape again so the family could actually be around him. Okay, so this was after the autopsy at least. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so I my mind went back to the people trying to cover things up. No, no, no. So this was after. (laughs) Oh, no. Let's make some putty and... Stuff the whole It's all yeah. fine, it's fine, it's his heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's just wax. Everyone has wax if you're a prince. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they stuck to the line of uh, an aneurysm of the heart. Hmm. Um, there were a whole bunch of theories that started to spin, mostly in private, but it did start getting a little bit out of control. Hmm. The first big one was that Mary had poisoned Rudolph and then killed herself. Um, there was another one that they were both murdered and it was covered up to look like a murder suicide. Um, there was another one that Rudolph had first shot Mary in a suicide pack, uh, pact and then sat by her body several hours before shooting himself. And the final one was Rudolph and his father were thought to have had a violent argument that ended in his father demanding his son um, break off the liaison with his mistress. Hmm. Um, and this was actually the version that was settled on, believe it or not. So they tried to say... It was um, deaths as a tragic result of desperate decision of thwarted lovers mm. taken while, um, this is a direct quote, taken while the balance of the Archduke's mind was disturbed. And mm. that was a view that they shared with the Pope. And that was done because whenever there's a death by suicide, you're not allowed a traditional Catholic burial. Um, yeah. And with this, they were allowed to have a Catholic burial in the Imperial Vault in Vienna. Oh. Um, so the police ended up closing their investigations really, really quickly and um, and backed up the emperor on this. Just a quick question. So you did say that they spirited away the body of the lover, mm-hmm. but 
depending on which or how the inner circle was she actually like autopsied or checked up as well um not at this point oh um okay then continue i'm this i'm intrigued this is where we start getting a bit more political Hmm. um you know who otto van bismarck is oh yes yeah so um that version of well that's the thing like i forget how much i know about um <laughs> world war one and world war two until this sort of thing starts happening and i'm like ah okay true, true. that whole version of events was um doubted by many members of rudolph's direct family however it was spread by agents of germany's chancellor otto von bismarck and he already wasn't very fond of rudolph because he was a liberal and otto clearly wasn't um <laughs> but there were all sorts of uh, quotes and letters about um things that um von bismarck was saying and sorry i keep saying van bismarck von bismarck mm. was saying and oh, the dutchness is yeah, in. it's it's such a it's such a habit now i automatically <laughs> turn von to van but yeah he he was really like going around and perpetuating this whole theory that um, there was, a, yeah, basically a murder-suicide with um, hmm. Rudolph and his young mistress and he was this and he was that and they were trying to call into question his character and, like, really push how unstable everything hmm. was over there. Because Rudolph was the only son of Emperor Franz Joseph I of Austria, mm-hmm. there was no one to actually pass it on to um so succession ended up passing to his uncle as in his dad's brother yeah. um that's archduke carl ludwig and later i don't know if you recognize the name carl ludwig i did but i couldn't remember why he's the father of franz ferdinand mm-hmm. so the whole destabilization affected the austro-hungarian relations and became a catalyst of course for the assassination of franz and sophie ferdinand mm-hmm. And, of course, the First World War. Indeed. So all of this really plays into how history played out, which is so crazy. And, like, connecting it like this, because the I've always seen the um, uh, Franz Ferdinand assassination. Yeah, because be it was such a, a big thing. It was a big thing, but also, like, just looking historically, yeah. like, just the one person's fate yeah. basically just exploding out to well, yeah. the world as yeah. they called it but yeah and that is insane enough but just like hearing this little like it's not even dominus but it's kind of a really tiny mm-hmm. and a butterfly effect i suppose isn't it because yeah. if if he had a married his cousin and that all would have been fine from the beginning then he would have mm. never ended up in presumably an unhappy marriage where he just settled for the random 15 year old because he didn't like any of the Iberians and he needed to marry a good Catholic girl and if he hadn't have ended up in a, in a happy marriage he wouldn't have had an affair with the 17 year old and wouldn't have had this mysterious the death situation would have been completely different as well it, oh that's another thing that is so true mm. the alliances would have been totally different but it's it's crazy it's totally crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of, I love that side of it. The official story of the murder-suicide went unchallenged until just after the end of World War II. So in 1946, um, Soviet troops um, dislodged uh, the granite plate that was covering the grave of Rudolf. Oh. And, sorry, covering the grave of Mary and broke into her coffin they, they think maybe they were looking for valuables. Mm-hmm. 
but it wasn't actually discovered for another nine years whenever the Red Army withdrew from Austria. Um, At this point, there was a young physician stationed in the area. Uh, His name was Gerd Huller, um, and he was accompanied by a member of Mary's family, and they ended up inspecting her remains. Um, There were a lot of rumours at the time that she may have also died from either a botched abortion or that she may have been pregnant um, about three months pregnant at the time. Oh. Um, but again, the the information on this is so sketchy and it doesn't fall into any of the major theories. It's mm. just a really prevalent rumor there and not too sure where it came from. Hmm. But yeah, they, they examined the skull, other bones, everything. Um, they didn't find any traces of a bullet hole. And yeah, they ended up... Um, looking at the old archives and they found that only one bullet was fired from the gun. So we know probably one b- bullet was involved in, in the killing of these two people and we're, we're pretty confident that he had a bullet in his head. Yeah. Um, so they ended up with the theory that again, Mary had died accidentally and come back. they came back to the... Um, the idea that it may have been as a result of an abortion and that Rudolph had consequently shot himself in a reaction to her dying from the botched abortion. It also oh. explains her placement in the bed True. and why he might have um, excused himself from dinner. Hmm. If he found out something was happening, if he was interrupted and told something was going on, if she was, you know, put there in the hunting lodge, if the shutters were done, you know, they used to do the shut-in thing. What do you call it? They used to do this thing where they would... In your last trimester or sometimes earlier, if you were um, really having extreme symptoms, so if you, if you had morning sickness or whatever, mm-hmm. then they would do, I think it's called a shut-in. They would put the pregnant woman in a room. She would basically not be allowed out of bed mm-hmm. and they would not allow you access to any light or anything like that. They thought really? that was the best thing. So huh. the shutters may have had nothing to do with that, but I just find that kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that this was a member of the family that had asked for this to, to be looked into and, and this comes out with the physician, mm. it's quite interesting. Indeed. Um, but yeah, they said, I think she maybe died of from a botched abortion and then Rudolf shot himself. Also, the description said... They they made it sound as if rigor mortis had really, really kicked in on her body and not on his. Hmm. So there was probably a good 12 hours difference between them. Yeah. Um, oh. But yeah, they ended up putting her into a new coffin and reburying her in 1959. That is not the end of the story. <laughs> um, in 1991, Mary's remains were disturbed again, this time by a guy called Helmut Flatzelsteiner. Um, and he was... Helmut what now? Flatzelsteiner, Helmut Flatzelsteiner. Um, He was a a furniture dealer who was totally obsessed with the Merling affair. So the first reports were that the bones had been strewn around the churchyard um, for the authorities to retrieve, but it actually turned out he had taken them initially for a private forensic examination at his own expense because he was curious about the whole thing. Hmm. And that didn't even take place for another 
year and a half or so. And he lied to the examiners and said they were remains of a, a relative who'd been killed about 100 years ago and that um, mm. she might have been shot in the head or stabbed. And can you have a look? By this stage, the skull was in, in such a bad state of disintegration that it was it was incomplete and they couldn't confirm anything. Um, disintegration? Yeah, so I don't know what happened whenever mm-hmm. they, whether he screwed it up somehow between looting the grave again mm. and um, getting it to the uh, the examiner a year and a half later or whether something else happened. But the, the whole thing is a little bit strange. Kind and it is. also calls into question whether they could have done a proper examination of her head the first time around. True. But then again, if you if you dropped it, you're not going to... I mean, oh dear, I dropped a skull on the ground and I've just lost bits of it. You're not going to tell anyone. You're going to rebury it and assume no one's ever going to find out. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, it's 1959. Okay. You you spill a coffee on a body in the morgue, like you, you're eating your sandwich on, on someone, you, you spill your soup on them. You're, you're, you're not going to tell anyone. You're going to hose them down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but... Yeah, so they couldn't actually confirm anything. In the end, um, Flatzelsteiner um, approached a uh, journalist to try to sell the story as well as Mary's skeleton. Um, Oh. Yeah, luckily the journalist um, seemed to do the right thing. And um, after confirming that the skeleton was in fact hers, Mm -hmm. the body was again reburied in the original grave. This was now October 1993. The re-examination took place in February 1993. I'm assuming there was some gruff uh, involvement from the authorities on that in this. You'd think. I was a little bit disappointed with what they did. There was a court case and he was fined. So he had to pay uh, damages hmm. and the damages were 27,500 shilling, which in today's money is about 3,000 euros or like 3,700 US dollars. Really? That's like nothing. Huh. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of money to a lot of people, but like seriously, you grave yeah. robbed, you gallivanted around with someone's skeleton for a year and a half, two years, and you Possibly know, fucked up any chance of um, finding out what happened. I, I just, I feel like that's not enough. Mm. That's not enough. Um, but yeah, that's what happened. Also, not the end of the story, though. In on the thirtieth. Sorry, on the 31st of July, which is, as we know, Harry Potter's birthday. I did not remember that, to really? be honest. Um, Harry Potter's birthday, also J.K. Rowling's birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, why not? But... Yeah, well, you would, wouldn't you? Um... I wouldn't, actually. No? Uh... Okay. And I say this only having written, I know, three quarters of three separate books, but still. Mm. Well, okay. But it's 2015. That's still pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the Austrian National Library issued copies of Mary's letters of farewell to her mother and other family members. Oh. The letters were previously believed to have been lost or destroyed, um, but they were found in a safety deposit box at a, an Austrian bank and they'd been deposited in 1926. <laughs> So the letters were written in Merling shorty, shortly before the deaths and they state clearly and unambiguously that Mary was preparing to, to die by suicide along with Rudolph and mm-hmm. described it as being out of love. Huh. Yeah. And yeah, apparently they'll be made available to, to scholars and they're discussing uh, putting them in a public exhibition. So when you say like 
by love or for love? Is it just a clear cut like Romeo Juliet? Yeah, it's ex- thing? it's exactly Romeo Juliet oh, style okay, thing. It's okay. like uh, star Chris lovers can't be together. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, hmm. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, um, closure. So that's the end of the story of those two, but it's not the um, end of the story of the cognac locked uh, Elizabeth. Ooh. So. Mother of Rudolf, um, Elizabeth had never recovered from her son's death. Apparently, she withdrew from court duties and travelled widely um, and mostly unaccompanied, um, or at least unaccompanied by her family. Um, she what about w- the uh, hairdresser, though? That's the thing. Like, she, she yeah. was really, really obsessed with um, maintaining her youthful appearance, her figure, mm-hmm. her beauty, her hair. She had, like, grey hairs tweezed out, but by the end, she had, like... Uh, there, there was a, a very beautiful description of how um, her her hair was stunning, and though it had changed from the the dark blonde of her youth to a chestnut brown, it was now streaked with silver strands, despite the plucking of the silver hairs meticulously. There's something with all of these descriptions, and also the Elizabeth part, and that part of the world. But yes, there there were some really interesting ones as well about how um, I think it was when her hair was brushed, she would ask or demand that um, any of the hairs that came out were presented to her so she could examine them and stuff like that. Like, it was just, wow. Um, Something of an obsession, I think it's safe to say. Yeah, and she would also complain about getting headaches from the weight of the hair, and it was massive. Like, it's it's Rapunzel-level hair. It's crazy, and it's thick. But... I think she did often travel with one uh, lady-in-waiting, but I don't know if... I I don't think it was the hairdresser. I feel like I would Mm. know that. Um, But, yeah, she she really wanted to to stay beautiful and incredible and blah, 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 because she had become such a living legend Mm. and she was really known for being stunning. But whenever she was traveling in Geneva in 1898, she was now age 60... Um, she was accosted by an Italian anarchist. The guy was called Luigi Lucini, um, and he was originally looking for the Duke of Orleans, um, but who was the pretender to France's throne. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had already left uh, Geneva earlier. Um, so whenever he couldn't find him, he ended up finding Elizabeth. He he'd heard that um, from a Geneva newspaper that there was an elegant woman traveling under the pseudonym Countess of Hohenems. I don't know. Um, and that it was indeed the Empress Elizabeth of Austria. So You just need to look at the hair. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, by this stage, she was the longest serving emperor, Empress of um Austria. She served for 44 years. That's impressive. Yeah, like since she was 16. Um, But he stabbed her with a sharpened needle file. It was 10 centimeters long, so four inches-ish. What file? It's it's described as a sharpened needle file. It's it's a file um, it's used to file the eyes of industrial needles. Huh. So it's it's pretty darn stabby. Yeah. Um, And he'd it, it sounds like a prison weapon in a way because he he sort of, of yeah. mounted it on like a wooden handle and then he just stab, 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 stab her. Yeah, um, but that, that was how she died. So Rudolf's mum met a really unfortunate end as well. Yeah. And... And she never recovered from his death. The The whole story of how and why she died is incredibly interesting, but that's the highlights reel on it. Hmm. I There's think- a lot of interesting stuff there and you're 
crime was way better than mine. I like true crime. I know, I mean, yours, you had a bit of mystery, but we got a resolution, and it was the insane geopolitical implications, not implication, yeah. repercussions, yeah. and ripples outwards, and all that hair. I'm All the hair? The mm. cognac hair. Can you imagine smelling cognac that? Cognac hair. Can you imagine, mm-hmm. like, sitting next to her on a train and getting a whiff of cognac hair? Mm-hmm. Although, if it's only washed every two weeks, then maybe it's more than just cognac. Like, you want to get it after a washing day. Um, but... I, as long as you get the stickiness out, I think it it kind of sounds amazing. Is cognac sticky? I've never washed my hair with it. Quite sweet. I'm assuming it'll be sticky. Is it? I guess it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, the next time I have a shower, I'll break at the cognac. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I say, and somehow that made it sound like, oh, yeah, I'll probably shower in the next month. Um, <laughs> as long as it's once every two weeks, then maybe that's I fine. Track that. Well, that's only <laughs> if you have cognac, but I don't have the cognac base. Oh, uh, maybe in the future when I'm rich and wealthy and noble or something. You're pretty noble already. Oh, thank you. <laughs> On that note, shall we have uh, our, our royal themed cocktail? Yes. I'm so curious. I still need to know what the uh, queen of spices is and all this stuff. Shall I tell you now? No, no. We're, we're going to make the drink and then you'll inform me and I'm going to say, ooh, ah, and then slurp and fail at drinking in some way. Okay, let's go. Let's make it. Yes. You might want to mash the lemon a bit. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Because we're back and we have drinks and they have lemons in it. Yeah, I. Um, the weather has been really beautiful here today. Um, so warm. Yeah, what was it? Well, you're you're looking at me like, oh, it's been awful. Kind of. <laughs> um, I love the heat, but it's um, I don't know. It's been twenty something. Oh, I I don't know. It, it's been quite warm. Mm. Um, but it feels like the first day of um, of summer, even though we're not in summer yet. Mm. We've gone from it being suddenly spring to suddenly summer. Um, so I thought we should do something, I mean, obviously something on theme, but um, <laughs> I thought homemade iced tea would be really nice. Ah, so that's kind of where I went from this. And then, that's a thought. yeah, so, you know, the way... Uh, the royals can endorse various things. So over here, there's like bakeries and things that are endorsed oh, by the yeah, Dutch yeah, royal yeah, family. Yeah, the, the official provider for the yada yada. Yeah. Mm. And in the UK, you have like a moving company that's endorsed and, you know, all sorts of, really? yeah, like really all sorts of stuff that's endorsed. But the only, um, the only distillery that's endorsed is a uh, Scottish whiskey, um, a specific really? Scottish whiskey. I don't really know whiskey though. Um, and... <laughs> I decided to go with Irish. So, um, it's all good. Yeah, so it's Jameson's. But um, I thought it would be really nice to do uh, Queen of Spices, which mm. is, of course, as you know now, um, <laughs> cardamom. And still um, don't quite see that, but uh, yeah. I, it's, it's always been called the Queen of Spices. It's a proper thing. It's not just me talking huh. nonsense. Um, <laughs> so I thought we'd do the Queen of Spices and the, uh, the King of, yeah spirits um <laughs> or at least the the one 
the one in British, uh, the one in British, the one uh, <laughs> endorsed by uh, British royals. Mm-hmm. And I thought we have English rose, so we have Scottish whiskey. That's uh, the idea. Uh, English rose, uh, the Queen of Spices, um, and some good old British tea. It is actually British tea. Oh. Um, and a bit of Welsh lemon, I suppose. Welsh lemon. Yeah, no. I'm trying to be inclusive. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, yeah. What do we call this? British iced tea? Royal tea? I don't know. Ooh, royal tea. Ah, that wasn't even, I didn't even mean that. Oh. Oh, I love you. That is perfect. <laughs> um, yep, this is royal tea. Royal tea. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. That goes down pretty easy. That's really easy to drink. Um, There's also honey liqueur in this, actually, I forgot. Oh, yeah. And a touch of Cointreau. And honeys come from the product of all the... Bumblebees of Bumbledon. You don't know infamous Bumbledon? I do not know Bumbledon. I I was going to make a connection to the Queen Bee and all that. uh... Oh, Oh, that's good, because Bumbledon's made up. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'm sorry, citizens of Bumbledon. I don't know that you exist. Um... (laughs) Oh, Kalfi does. Okay, I'm gonna fetch her. Do you like it though, really? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, like it's, it does match the iced tea bits, mm-hmm. but then also, hmm, I'm gonna need another taste. It's the combination is reminding me of something. It's somewhere between iced tea and some specific liqueur that is not specific enough for any of the ingredients let's say but yeah speaking of bumblebees do you know since you already brought up the harry potter connection um do you know the etymology of uh, dumbledore mm, um i feel like you're gonna say it and then i'm gonna be like oh yes i do oh this was a thing um Oh, it was also a question on QI. That's the only reason I know it. And it is in my brain, but it's not. Um, Kelfie, stop stop cuddling the, the mic stand. You're full of gnoms. Um, oh, what? No, you know what? Just tell me. Oh, no, it is literally just bumblebee. As a combination of dumble, similar to bumble, and door, a buzzing flying insect. No, I was surprised about the uh, Scotch whiskey endorsement thing. I was even more surprised with the moving firm because like, I know a lot of both countries and um, companies have the connection of like, oh no, the royal supplier of blah de blah But in my memory, the only examples I can remember is just, it's just consumables. It's chocolate, it's huh. like tea, chocolate, tea yeah. it's these kind of things. But no. Um, I have to say the only reason I know about the moving firm is because it was alphabetically first on the list. Hmm. Oh, I, they began with A. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, I, I'm really trying to pace myself with this drink because I could just down this in one. I'm yeah. sure. Mm, whiskey's still not my thing. No, but do you like this one? Is it okay? Yeah. You did an amazing thing where you first like semi sneezed and then nodded and shook your head at the same time. And it I was managed, kind of amazing. I managed to do the human equivalent of a cat sneezing, but holding it in. Yeah. And I gave myself goosebumps. 
<laughs> so it it was all of that, and in the mean in the meantime, I also tasted the whiskey and went. Bleh. Well, you wanted to agree. Yeah, I want to, but I'm beginning to think it's not any problem with your ginger cocktail. It's just a problem with me and whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. We'll see. I'll I'll still try to figure out something to um, get through the challenge with. Yeah. Hmm. But I think I'm no. going to donate this to the substitute cat. <laughs> that works. Um, mm, 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 mm. I'm enjoying my drink, though. We should say farewell, though. Yeah, I guess. I was thinking of round off. I mean, we have gone through a couple of royals. We've touched on a bit of politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there will be possibly be more on friday we'll be still on the royal theme because that's the culmination of well the reason for our royal theme i mean it is time for king's day i finally learned to say king's day not queen's day how many years ago is it now since it shifted mm, let me think what year is it? it's 2018 was it 2014 i actually i have it really written. it's been longer than you realize i think um, I, I have it literally here. Um, yeah, 2013 was the last Queen's Day. Really? Yeah. Um, so Beatrix abdicated on uh, Koningsdag, um mm. 2013. So 2014 onwards was Koningsdag. Oh, yes. We should say farewells. We should say farewell. It's and late. Like we said, you'll get more info on the royalty and the crimes and the royal crimes and on King's Day and possibly Queen's Day yeah. on Friday. But we hope you've enjoyed this. Yeah. It's a bit more historical than normal. It was actually, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, don't worry. We'll be back to the normal plebeian crimes soon enough, I'm sure. Yeah. I can't remember what we're doing next week. <laughs> Me neither. No. Um, we should definitely yeah. do a um, crime squad on camera, though. Oh, After yeah. what you said nice earlier connection. about the, yeah. yeah, yeah. True, true. Um, but for now, we'll. Um, I think the bar is closing. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. So um, we thank you all for listening. Yeah. And in the meanwhile, you'll have a couple of days to you know, ponder all the questions or requests or, you know, general greetings you want to send our way, which you can do on Twitter at Crime by the Bar. Yeah, or um, at Gmail, uh, Crime by the Bar at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. I was so excited to, to get all those responses to our um, clairvoyant and psychic episodes <laughs> and the supernatural <laughs> ones. They were super fun. Um, but yeah, we, we should really go through them and, uh, and and read some of them out. True, true. But that was, I was super psyched. So please do keep your, your comments and stories coming in. It's, uh, it's really so much fun to read. And we've also gotten a proper stand-up member of the public who took the time and effort to properly tell me how horrible my pronunciation was in a couple of episodes of Foreign Names. So that is appreciated. Please bring more. Yeah, I actually didn't research pronunciation of names at all for this episode, so I'm kind of waiting for the backlash on that. Like, seriously, couldn't you have at least gone on YouTube and checked? Uh, yes, I could have, and I didn't, and I'm sorry. So, yeah, keep your complaints coming. <laughs> but, no, thanks for listening, and we hope you have a great week. And we'll see you again on Friday. See you on Friday for another drink. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
we synchronize? We yeah. never synchronize. <laughs> ah, we're synced up. Oh, it only took 20 episodes. Whoa. This is episode 21. Mm-hmm. <gasps> we're a grown-up now. <laughs> only in the States, come on. Yeah, but there's still it's still a milestone thing, right? It's where true, you get the true. gold watch or the keto house or whatever. <laughs>